Welcome to this week three edition of Rams All Access. Los Angeles 2-0 for the first time since 2001 this week. It's a matchup at the Coliseum against the Chargers. With DeMarco Farr, I'm J.B. Long. Dominant performance in week two over the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, six consecutive quarters without allowing a point. So, DeMarco, are the Rams really this good, or are the Raiders and Cardinals that bad? I, I think the Rams are really good. Um, jury's still out on the Raiders. You know, um, I think they're tough. I think they're in every game. I think they lost their second game by a point. You know, and they had the Rams in the first half, so jury's still out there. Buffalo's going to struggle. Or did I say Buffalo? Arizona is going to struggle wildly all season long. I think they're just kind of buying time until Rosen is ready. To, to make that switch. So, yeah, I mean, just like any first-year coach, when you're making the transition between the other staff's players and the players you want, it's going to be a little helter-skelter for them. Preseason, this matchup was a popular pick to be the final game of the season, a Super Bowl matchup, Chargers and Rams. Regardless of you know how you feel about the Raiders and the Cardinals, I do think the Chargers are the best roster the Rams will have seen to this point in the season. Uh, since week 11 of 2017, they lead the NFL with 437 yards per game. So I think this defense gets a legitimate playoff caliber test Sunday at the Coliseum. No doubt. Um, this is deep blue. And I tried this with Miles Simmons, and he was like, who's deep blue? You know who deep blue is, right? The old IBM computer. They they, they programmed him to beat Kasparov, the chess champion, and they, they matched twice and the computer won the second time well that's philip rivers whatever you throw at him he's going to have answers for uh he's just one of the best he's going to wind up in canton someday his mechanics look terrible but they're still effective he gets the ball out there on time and he's a leader i mean this is your first white whale of the season for the defense uh this is a big time quarterback you're going after it is about to get real in terms of the yeah. scheduling. 2-0, and the press clippings look good right now. Suddenly, the Rams have ascended to Super Bowl favorites. And so Sean McVay was asked this week, among other topics, if it's difficult to get his team refocused after that blowout win over the Cardinals. When you look at the Chargers in all three phases, they present a variety of challenges. they got great players. They're very well coached. Um, so I, I don't think we need to look any further for motivation that we've got to be at our best if we're going to compete with these guys uh, starting right now. I mean, the Chargers this week, and then short week, Minnesota, division favorites at Seattle, the start of a three-game road trip, uh, Seahawks, Broncos, 49ers thereafter. I think this team knows what's ahead, and that 2-0 and doesn't really mean a whole lot in September. No, I, I think you're, you're building properly, though, and just watching the offense walk off the field after last week, 75 plays. We talked about not playing in the preseason. Well, I think you're getting your work in now. And they're starting to get better. They're starting to improve. From snap one to snap 75, they improved. Uh, so going into this week and into the short week and then weeks after that, I think they're going to improve. Now, anything can happen. This is professional football. All it takes is one shot. But if everything stays the way it is and you just keep progressing in your offense, I mean, 34 points, 44 points, it won't be a shock. I mean, there, there are a lot of – they left plays on the field last week and they still scored 34 points. Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks haven't scored a touchdown yet. Yeah. It's it's shocking, right? Yeah. All the catches and all the, the wild plays they've made, they they haven't scored a touchdown yet, and here you are scoring 34 points. Yeah, I sense this as more swagger than being too high in the saddle. And it, maybe it looks different in hindsight. When the Rams do get beat for the first time, maybe we look back and say, all right, they needed a little dose of reality. Going into week three, I don't sense that. I don't think they're overconfident. I don't think they're overlooking anyone. I think their momentum is building. I think Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when you get in 
when you close the doors and it's just the players and the coaches, I think there is a lot of honesty going on. Brutal, blunt honesty Mm -hmm. about, I think you can be better. I think this is great. But I think you can do X, Y, and Z a little bit better than what you have been. So, And that's not the, just the coaches. That's the players challenging each other, too. I think that's the mark of a great team. So um, it, it's funny with the offensive line, just that toughness factor, wanting to remain the starting five throughout the season, that's a mantra now. That's something, that's how they live their lives. That's the standard they set. And I think that's in every group on this football team. So as long as you have that, it doesn't matter the opponent. Just bring your A game, and I think your A game should be enough. Since you mentioned the offensive line, let's touch on Austin Blythe because that was one of the topics we needed to cover today, and the indication is that Blythe will maintain that starting job into Week 3, even with Jamon Brown coming off league suspension after two weeks. Uh, it was one of the un told secrets to success last year, the fact that every meaningful game the Rams had the same starting five offensive linemen. Uh, Blythe right now, the number four rated guard in the NFL through two weeks, according to Pro Football Focus. How can you take him off the field? Yeah, I don't think you can. Uh, he reminds me of Tommy Newton, one of my teammates who started in 99, and I, I didn't know who he was. I looked at him like, oh my God, who do they have starting in here? I'm going to beat the tar out of this guy. And he just kept blocking me, and he kept blocking other people. He kept getting better. Then all of a sudden, hey, this guy's pretty damn good. Austin Blythe is doing the same thing. You should have saw Cam Dietschy after he buried him. He got up and said, where did that come from? Who just hit me? Oh, it was you? Then there was a respect factor after that from play in and play out. So, yeah, it's it's hard to remove a guy like that when you're starting to gel up front. If you have to insert Jamon Brown, and that's no bad thing. He's a starter, but you're going to have to start that process over again. I think you're gelling in the right way. You're progressing. Your play progression is growing. So why would I want to disrupt that? Yeah, now on both sides of the ball, I think the coaches know what they have and what it looks like, especially on defense because of how many missing pieces there were and how few live reps they got together during the preseason, including training camp. Now Aaron Donald... He's football acclimated, True. right, after his holdout. Yeah. Now he and Sue know what it's like to play together. Now they know that they don't have Mark Barron again this week, and they know how they're going to deploy their assets accordingly. It's a race right now with these with these guys. And thinking of the Chargers coming in and their offensive line and the pressures they give up and where they give it up from, I mean, I expect more of the same. I expect these two guys to be just as dominant, if not more. Because they're still learning to play with each other. Where you want to be on certain rushes, and when we see this certain pass set, where is Donald going to wind up? Where is Sue apt to wind up? When you have guys start playing off each other without having to see where the other guy is, just react, oh, that's that's dynamic and dangerous. So to come on this edition of Rams All Access, we'll take a look at our poll question, which is, what do you want to see Johnny Hecker do next after he handled place-kicking duties for the Rams? We'll talk about the new place-kicker, Sam Ficken, and what that means for McVay's play-calling and his two-point conversion strategy. Plus, is Jared Goff a system quarterback? We'll tackle that one on this edition of Rams All Access, previewing Week 3 against the Chargers. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long, ESPN LA. Segment two of Rams All Access as we preview the matchup with the Chargers at the Coliseum. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. Is Jared Goff a system quarterback? We will finish this segment with that question. Uh, but let's start with some matchups because I thought Philip Rivers said it best this week in anticipation. Quote, you hear people talk about a football game being one-on-one matchups. This game will truly be that. And having watched two games of the Chargers on tape, I think on the perimeter, uh, the lines, the quarterbacks, the secondaries, I-, I can really see how this is a game 
where the one-on-one matchups will determine the outcome. I, I, I would believe so. I mean, up front, no doubt. I, I'm looking at Dan Feeney, their, their left guard, and he gives up B-gap pressure and B-gap sacks. Well, that's where Donald likes to rush. Uh, Pouncey on the other side, I mean, look, he knows Indomitian Sue, so that could be a push, but it could be a push going backwards. Indomitian Sue is just that, that dominating. But Keenan Allen, if you don't get pressure on Phillip Rivers, a guy like Keenan Allen can absolutely hurt you. He's big, he's tall, he runs great routes, and he's hungry. So if you get him in one of those one-on-one situations, and if Philip Rivers catches the defense flat-footed, not being ready when the when the center has his hand on the football, or just not getting enough pressure, then absolutely, those matchups can hurt, and they can get beyond you, not just for a first down, for a touchdown. So I, I think Philip Rivers is exactly right, but there are some playmakers that play for the Chargers. There are also people out there you can take advantage of, especially if you're Wade Phillips. Let's stick with that, then. The Chargers' offense against the Rams' defense. So far, Tlaib and Peters have combined to allow 37 yards through two weeks right. passing to receivers. Now, in all likelihood, Rivers and his arsenal get more than that on Sunday. I think that's a fair expectation. Uh, just to go a little deeper into those numbers, opponents have averaged 4.7 yards per attempt targeting receivers through two weeks against the Rams. No touchdowns, two picks, one return for a score. Uh, they only have two passes completed to wide receivers beyond 10 yards downfield. Is this the type of passing game for the Chargers that can bring the corners and someone like LaMarcus Joyner really into the mix in a game for the first time? Yeah, because he's going to get the ball out. And, I mean, Derek Carr tried, and then the game got away from him. I, I won't even count Sam Bradford in Arizona. I mean, that game was over after a half. You saw that. But I think this week, Phillip Rivers is never going to stop trying. I believe... What was the game? Uh, Kansas City. Kansas City had them down, and Phillip Rivers refused to go away. I think their last play was a touchdown. I, they were closing, so this will be a challenge for the, the Rams' defense. Four-quarter challenge. No matter what the score, he's going to keep trying to score. Uh, so these receivers, that tight end, Melvin Gordon in particular, is just like Todd Gurley to me. He's an inside-outside threat. So with a quarterback like Philip Rivers, the ball could go anywhere. So tackling is at a premium, and you have to be letter-perfect in your responsibilities. Yeah, they miss Joey Bosa, the Rams do, and Hunter Henry on offense, two of the best players potentially in the league for 2018, and the Rams dodged them in Week 3. I really like the combination of Eckler and Gordon in the Chargers' backfield. They rank second and third among tailbacks in yards per route run this season. Both carry top 10 pro football focus grades at running back. When you enter a contest knowing you have a one-two punch like that on the other side of the ball and that they're both great receiving backs, what does that mean for assignment football on defense? Who covers them out of the backfield? Well, just identify, and there's really no way to cover Eckler. You know, like, is it Chris Thompson in in Washington? When he comes in, he's coming in for a reason, and you pretty much know he's going to get the rock or the offense is going through him. He's just dynamic. Maybe playing up in Western, you know, that higher elevation, he doesn't get tired running the football. That's what it looks like. Western and Colorado. Western Colorado. Yeah. He's just he he looks like he has more energy than everyone else on the field at times, but inside, outside, trying to tackle him and trying to cover him, I mean that's a full time job. I mean, hopefully to contain a guy like that, I'd have to rely on the offense to do that. You have to keep outscoring him to keep him off the field. 
Let's switch gears and talk about the Rams' offense against the Chargers' defense. I mentioned Bosa. That's a huge break. I mean, consider that so far this season, the Rams have dodged Khalil Mack in the opener at Oakland. I know it's not as big a deal, but Marcus Golden and Olsen Pierre last week against the Cardinals. Now Joey Bosa. So in that group, essentially two, I think, viable defensive player of the year candidates in the NFL in the first three weeks. It's trending in the direction like it did all of 2017, where the Rams are winning the injury report before they have a chance to win on Sunday. Knock wood, because it's gone the other way for years. So, I mean, this is great. I mean, I'd love to see Joey Bosa play just next week. Not right now. But Melvin Ingram is just as dangerous. He's a bullet off the edge. But I do expect the Rams' offensive line to dominate in pass protection. Again, I expect a big day out of Jared Goff, because I don't think you'll be able to get there without blitzing. If you look at the interior four, the rotation they have, I think between them they have seven and a half sacks in two seasons. Brandon Meebane hasn't had a sack in two years. It's been a while. So I don't think up front you'll be able to get to the quarterback without some sort of game or twist or putting yourself at risk to get to Jared Goff. So if that's all protected or if they do try to rush just four, I think he'll be able to stand back there and pick them apart. So far, the Rams' offensive line has been excellent. In, in, in actuality, PFF says that they have not allowed a quarterback hit, much less a sack already. I challenge that a little bit with, well, what about the um, the Irvin strip sack in Week 1? They put that squarely on Goff's shoulders, and I think the Rams' quarterback might actually agree with that. But in their base pass pro, uh, the front five for L.A., really, really good. Now, Sean McVay, I think, factors heavily into this, like he does every week. He has a reputation for making safeties and linebackers miserable. The Chargers right now are leaning heavily on a couple of rookies at that level. They've drafted really well on defense. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up on uh, four down territory. But when McVeigh gets uh, a linebacker and especially a safety for the first time, he can toy with them. He can have a lot of success down the middle of the field. Oh, no doubt. I mean, that's we talked about guys that there are people out there to take advantage of. And we just don't know who they are until game day. I don't even think they know who they are until game day. But there are a lot of things that he does to draw eyes, to get you to move one way so there's misdirection so he can slide a pass here or slide a screen there or run the football with Todd Gurley. There's just a lot going on with this offense. So it's hard to corral, but at some point he's going to pick and choose a guy to go after. And it could be with Cooks, it could be with Woods, it could be with Cup, it could be with Gurley out of the backfield, but somebody out there is going to get picked on. Uh, Derwin James, their first-round pick, has already been excellent starting at safety. He's flashed defensive rookie of the year potential. Kaiser White at outside linebacker has also been yeah. impressive. He came away with a pick at Buffalo. But let's go right to the perimeter because you got Patrick Peterson last week, and I'll give Goff and McVay and the Rams credit. They attacked him. Uh, first throw of the game, right side. And he was just as good coming back, intercepting Goff for the first time this year. Uh, now they get the combination of Trevor Williams and Casey Hayward with Desmond King in the slot. That's as good a group as you're going to find. You don't have to yeah. leave Southern California. I know those two guys weren't the guys that brought up system quarterback for Goff, right? It better not be those two guys. No, no, no. Okay, because they watch film. We watch film. We watch Jared Goff. It's it's Sure, part of it is the system. Um, it's what McVay is telling him to do and when and where, but... A lot of that is Jared himself. You got to have the confidence to lay it out there for your receivers. You got to have the confidence in your old line not to flinch when you do feel pressure. System, yes, but 
growing into a good quarterback, possibly a great one? Absolutely. Right before your eyes. Casey Hayward with 11 picks the last two seasons, tied with Marcus Peters now with the Rams for the NFL lead during that time. I think Cup against King in the slot is going to be a really good one. Uh, King had the opportunity to move outside. He was so good in the nickel. They say, nope, you're staying right there. We know what Cooper Cup has done with Woods and with Brandon Cooks, kind of creating some space and some pockets for him. So it's going to be a lot of fun. What are the chances he spikes the ball if he scores? Zero. <laughs> did you did you listen did you listen to the the uh, Rams broadcast network produced a no. mic up with him yet? You saw Peters last week. Yeah, right? yeah, it was like the most entertaining, colorful thing you've ever seen. I'm not sure there's a more polar opposite <laughs> in mic'd up going from Marcus Peters to Cooper Cup in back to back weeks. Wow, I mean, he barely opened his mouth. He let his play do the I talking. I love him. I that's love what, that's what we Cup. like about yep. Cup. All right, did not have time to fully sink our teeth into whether or not Goff is a quote unquote system quarterback. So we'll start our next segment with that on Rams All Access. The Rams going for 3-0 this weekend at the Coliseum as they play host to the Chargers with DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long. This is Rams All Access. All right, DeMarco, who do you want to hear from first? The head coach, Sean McVay, or the quarterback, Jared Goff, when posed the question, is number 16 a system quarterback? Let's Call go in coach. order. Let's let's go with the head coach. Okay. Yeah, I mean, Jared's the one making the plays. I mean, you know, it's our job as coaches to try to put him in position, and our players make the plays. I think that's a total discredit to him and all the different things that he's doing. I mean, he's making the throws. He's making the calls in the line at the line of scrimmage. He's making the calls in the huddle. So uh, I think it's our job as a coaching staff to collaborate and try to put together plans on a weekly basis that give our players a chance to have success. But ultimately, I know this, um, you know, you're a lot better coach when you're working with players like Jared Goff. And I feel really fortunate to work with him. You know, I'm a little a little wired, if you guys didn't know that. So I think his even-keeled demeanor during the game is actually helpful for me, and I think it's a nice compliment. And, you know, uh, you know he's done a great job, and, you know, I, I'm feeling, I feel lucky to work with players like him. That's awesome. Letter perfect answer from the head coach. No surprise there. It is. It's usually flipped. Usually the quarterback is the amped one, and the head coach is the calming presence. This is funny. I love this relationship. It's only going to grow. I think it already has. Yeah. I mean, look, I think Sean McVay would have given an equally impressive answer at the outset of last season, but there's no question that he's gained in his confidence with his quarterback, right? Yeah, I can see it when I'm down there and when the play, I wouldn't say if if you can't hit the play that's cold or the the guy you want to hit, and Jared has to scan the field and find the open guy. I think it was the Malcolm Brown touchdown. Was it the touchdown two or two-point conversion? Because he, Gurley was busy high-fiving. High-fiving people. <laughs> but the point to Goff from Sean McVay, like, good look. Like, not that you bailed me out, but great quarterback play. Mm-hmm. Now let's go talk about it. I mean, I don't mean to offer stats for something that's kind of intangible here, but Goff was 11 of 12 on first down last week, passed for nearly 200 yards. He averaged over 16 yards per attempt on first down. To me, that signals two things. One, McVay's going for the jugular right away. This is not a run-run throw for the chains offense. This is, we're coming after you. And the head coach clearly has a quarterback who he feels like can execute uh, on first down. He was uh, good for 200 yards against the Blitz, so he's handling extra pressure. He was 18 of 19 for 308, throwing between the numbers. So this is not a check down, quick throw, outside offense. I mean, they're making some quote-unquote dangerous, risky throws, and Goff is putting the ball where it needs to go. Yeah, this offense has fangs. And this is funny. You can pretty much say and do what you want when you're behind a solid rock wall. (laughs) <laughs> when you're confident and knowing that you're not going to get hit on every single play, that I can stand here, I can I can kind of let my my brain kind of figure out where I need to place this football and just play ball. I mean, this O-line 
and Jared Goff, they're, they're living with each other and feeding off each other at the same time on game day. Are you ready to hear from the QB1 let's, himself? Let's do it. Here's his answer. Yeah, I'll be a product of the system if we win games as much as, as, much as I want. I mean, uh, you know, we just continue to go out there and keep playing, keep putting up 30 points and call me whatever you want. Um, feel like I'm just continuing to develop and continue to get better. And uh, as time goes on, I hope to continue to get better and keep learning from Sean and, and keep, you know, trying to be the best leader and quarterback I can be. The only thing that changes in this game is the names, because you could have said that was that was a Joe Montana soundbite from the early 80s, or Steve Young from the 90s. They called them system quarterbacks, and they said the same thing. As long as we win, I could care less what you call me. And let's be frank, the goal is to keep this system and this relationship intact for a very, very long time. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so let's hope we never even get to find out whether or not it's system or quarterback. Keep thinking it's the system. Great. <laughs> Great for us. <laughs> I do think uh, his answer there is emblematic of what McVeigh said, that in terms of their personality structure, they're a beautiful complement to each other. And in a different soundbite, Goff said, you know, since he's kind of the amped up one, he actually gets me going. And and I need a little bit of that. I need some pep and some uh, some a voice in my my ear to get me going at times, and yeah. they provides that for him in the same way that Goff being kind of unflappable and poised offsets McVay's enthusiasm. I think he's he's how do you he's chilling Jarrett's blood. He's making him into an assassin, just like Sean McVay. Like Sean McVay has no heart when it comes to defense. I don't care. I'm scoring. I'm going by you. I could care what your name is. You're Patrick Peterson. I'm going to show you the ultimate respect by going at you. I think that is rubbing off on Jared Goff. He is attacking people down the field with his arm. Uh, I think the assassin might be coming out a little bit more starting this week, and here's why. Greg Zerline, as you reported, injured pregame. Johnny Hecker did admirably uh, handling emergency kicking duties. Now they turned it over to Sam Ficken, who we saw at the end of last year. Hope Ficken works out unbelievably. Hope he earns a job not just for this season but forever in the National Football League. I think he has that potential. However... I would not be surprised, given their success going for two last week, and knowing that Greg Zerline is not available, if they do go for more fourth downs, especially in plus territory, and if they line up for a two-point conversion this week against the Chargers. I could see that happening. If you're feeling good offensively that day, if you have some plays that you know you can get, sure, you are in four-down territory. But, I mean, Greg Zerline changes your game planning from, from this perspective. Once you cross the 50, you're in range. Yep. So you might take that one more first down with guys like Ficken. You don't have to put him out there for 50, 60 yarders. That's not his game. But if you have a chance for points and Phillip Rivers, let's say, is being Phillip Rivers against your defense, take the points whenever you can. So I love what Hecker did last week. I'm glad you have a professional place kicker on the roster this week. Let's go to the two-point conversion, though. Yeah. Do you think it's reasonable to expect that Sean McVay and the Rams can convert 50% of their two-point conversions this year? Ooh. That's hard. <laughs> you take the under on 50%? I, you know, I would probably say yes. Um, They're three for three. Yeah, I would say yes, but it's going to get tougher down the road. The more plays you put on tape, the more they're going to have to defend against you. So 50 is going to be hard. And I ask that because only three teams made all their PATs last season. Five teams made less than 90%. Seven teams have already missed PATs this season. So if your expected point value for a 33-yard try is less than 100%, that means you're looking at less than one point. So if you wow. think you can get 50% of your twos, it's mathematically irresponsible <laughs> not to, <laughs> to not leave Gurley and Goff out there on the field and do it. I like The only thing is anything can happen, bad snap penalty, what have you, and you come away with six when you could have had seven. 
you know, and you make a game tighter than it needs to be, chasing the points. But I love knowing that any time you could turn it on and go for two on your next three scores and just bury a team or get back in a game in a hurry. Let's wrap up this segment with our Rams all-access poll question for week three. Uh, what would you like to see Johnny Hecker do next after he handled kickoffs and place kicking in addition to punting last week? Inexcusably was not the NFC special teams player of the week. Robbie Gold goes three for three on field goals for the 49ers. That's where we are place kicking this year. And I, 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 <laughs> on a dark, dark Sunday for NFL place kicking, you're right. Johnny Hecker and Robbie Gold were bright spots. Anyway, what would you like to see Johnny Hecker do next? The options were catch a touchdown for the Rams. Uh, convert an alley-oop from LeBron James, convert a penalty kick for LAFC, he's a big soccer guy, or be NFL commissioner for a day. Oh, Do you want to cast a vote before I give the uh, response? Oh, I, either three or four. <laughs> I'll go with four. NFL commissioner oh, for a day. No doubt, yes. Uh, the leading response was 55% catch a touchdown for the Rams. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, uh, next highest vote total, 22% alley-oop from LeBron, then NFL commission for a day with 15 and 8% of the vote convert a PK. So we'll see what Johnny Hecker offers the Los Angeles Rams next and on Sunday week three against the Chargers. When we come back, we'll bring in opposing view for four down territory and get the latest on Phillip Rivers and the Chargers as they prepare for the Rams. This is Rams All Access on ESPN LA. All right, welcome back to Rams All Access, and this is Four Down Territory. As we preview week three against the Chargers, we bring in Eric Williams, who covers the Chargers for ESPN's NFL Nation. Eric, four questions for you in anticipation of this matchup. First has to do with the quarterback who's playing really well. Uh, is Phillip Rivers capable of taking this team to the AFC Championship game and maybe beyond? Yeah, I think so, but it's not necessarily because of Rivers. It's because of everybody else that they've added to make his job easier. They have a lot of playmakers on offense, including Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen. And then defensively, I think this is the best defense that the Chargers have had since the 2009 season, which was the last season, I believe, that they won the AFC West. So really all Phillip has to do is go out there and manage the game and make the plays that are needed to be made. He doesn't feel like he needs to to carry this team on the shoulders in order for them to be successful. Eric, I know that Joey Bosa won't play this weekend. What has mm-hmm. the Chargers pass rush look like without him through two weeks? Yeah, as you mentioned, no Bosa. He's still in a cast right now trying to heal that bruised foot, so likely we're probably not going to see him in October. With Bosa out, they struggled against the Chiefs, could only manage one sack, but they did much better against the Bills, you know, playing against a rookie quarterback. They had five sacks. The key is Melvin Ingram. Um, he was able to get going against the Bills, had a sack, three pressures, and he's going to have to do the same thing against the Rams and kind of lead that charge. They have some other guys they like uh, behind Bosa. You'll see Isaac Rochelle on early downs, and then when they go in the passing situations, they'll push Isaac inside, and you'll see Luciano Nuosu, who L.A. fans are probably familiar with during his time at USC, and then Chris Landrum, another guy that they like. But those secondary guys really are going to be pulled along by Ingram. Let's stay on defense for question number three with Eric Williams on four-down territory. It looks like the Chargers drafted very well on defense. Who's the most important rookie defender to beating the Rams on Sunday? Yeah, we'll go with Derwin. You know, the first-round pick, um, they were surprised that he was still there at number 17. The thing that they like about Derwin is they can move him all over the field. In week one, he played 43 snaps at free safety because they're really concerned about explosive plays and Tyreek Hill. The second week, they moved him close to the line of scrimmage, and he was able to get a sack. 
against Josh Allen and the Bills. And so just the versatility to be able to, to move him all over the place, depending on what they want to do week in and week out. I think uh, Derwin's going to be key as well in terms of helping in the pass rush. He has two sacks so far this season. All right, final question has to do with Anthony Lynn's rushing attack. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, a great one, too. I actually am a little bit more fearful of Eckler. I think he's been dynamic. <laughs> What's it like between uh, Gordon and Eckler in the Chargers' backfield right now? I think Gordon is still the guy. He's still your workhorse back, uh, a guy that's a bruising runner and has got much better at catching the ball in the backfield and has, has created mismatches that way and has really embraced it. But you're right, they really like Eckler as well because he's a different type of runner than Gordon. He's probably a little more explosive uh, when he hits the hole and can get to the second level. Uh, but I think the key with, with Eckler is you don't want to overuse him. You know, he's still a smaller back at 5'10", 200 pounds, and so he's not a guy that you can give 20 to 25 touches. But if you give him 10 to 15, he can be very effective, and they've done a nice job of sprinkling him in especially on fly sweeps when he can get to the edge of the defense. He's been very effective. Eric Williams from ESPN's NFL Nation with a perfect Chargers preview. Eric, thank you for this uh, time, and we'll see you on Sunday at the Coliseum. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right, so Eric kind of reporting what uh, my hunch was is that Austin Eckler has been quite a threat out of the backfield and is a nice complement to what Melvin Gordon gives them on early downs. But since the opening drive at Oakland, I think the uh, Rams have certainly shown that they have addressed their concerns in run defense coming off of last season with the addition of Indomitian Sue. Well, I mean, you just have to trust each other up front, and you talked about Sue. Sue's not going to give up the middle at all. He's just not going to allow you to move. So that's going to free up your linebackers. It's going to free up Littleton to be a run-and-hit guy, to give you that extra step on guys like Eckler so you can catch them if he is breaking towards the perimeter and you're coming inside out. You may have a dead run through the line of scrimmage to make a play or at least get a piece of him to slow him down. That's what it's going to take with guys like him. Uh, He's in there for a reason. He's fast, like he said, and I agree with him. You can't overuse him, but for those 12-15 plays that he's in, I would say the entire offense is going through him. Either he's going to move people through motion or ghost sweeps, or he's getting the ball and testing your perimeter. Can I circle back to Monday's coaches show? Sure. We asked uh, McVeigh about the impact that Sue and Donald have made so far because their numbers, their box score stats aren't flashy yet. They have not delivered big sack totals, no interceptions, turnovers created, any of that yet. But when you watch the film through two games, the way they're stacking, shedding, tackling, I think is impressive. The way that Donald is forklifting interior defenders into the quarterback's lap is apparent. And the head coach and I think the opposing offenses are extremely sensitive to what they've done to contribute to these two wins so far. No doubt. I mean, you have to do – it all works together because it takes a lot of energy to do what Sue and Donald are doing. So when you get off the field, you need rest and you need your offense to stay on it so you can re-energize and come right back out and attack that other opposing offense. So – They're doing a great job. It's going to show up in the stat column at some point, but I love the way Sean McVay talks about him because any head coach, any offensive play caller knows that's the one thing I can't game plan for. I can't outsmart that. I mean, they're just beating us up in a phone booth, and they're relentless. They're one-on-one specialists in the middle. No matter what I call, it's not going to work if Aaron Donald is in the backfield. It's not going to work if Ndamukong Sue is pushing my center six yards deep in the backfield. So... Uh, those two guys having them on your team is it's it's almost better than having two elite receivers out there with a with a top rated quarterback because you can almost take those guys away through coverage. You can't take that away. That sort of interior pressure. 
I think this is the question I've been asked most since the opener at Oakland is you know, what impact have Sue and Donald made so far? Where are they since they're not showing up in the box score? And my answer is I think they're winning Monday to Saturday. Like, in I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. Well, that, but like in terms of the impact they've had on the opponent's game plan and the strategy, uh. they show up on Sunday anticipating the damage that those two are capable of. And I think in terms of the lack of offensive production, Donald and Sue are responsible for that, not just in terms of what they're doing on the interior on game day, but the intimidation factor that they're presenting quarterbacks and offensive coordinators through two weeks so far. I, I agree. I mean, you have to spend an awful lot of time just on those two guys. That gives McVeigh an advantage. And no matter what you do, you still can't block them. So say you have four hours to spend, both teams, on getting ready for each other. Well, Two and a half, uh, two and a half from the opponent is spent just on two guys while McVay gets your entire defense because he doesn't see the same threats. So I agree with you, man. That's a great way to look at it. But eventually those numbers will come. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, they're on a streak of six straight quarters without allowing a point. And if you're telling me that Sue and Donald haven't forced a fumble or created a sack yet. Yeah. <laughs> the best is yet to come. They're balling and they're not happy. You should see Sue before the game. I mean, it's really scary. And I've been out there. Big guys don't scare me. He makes me move. Like, when he's walking towards the bench and I'm sitting there, I'll just slide over to the left. Right. Yeah, and Donald is the same way. These guys, they're they're getting into it on the field because they try to give them the business. I mean, they're good, they're fast, and they're nasty. And I don't think a member of the secondary has thought about a double move yet in 2018. You don't have time. Right. Yeah, the first one is going to be the move. Uh, outside, have they been getting enough? In addition to the interior pass rush, which we've now devoted some time to, are they getting enough on the edge to get to Philip Rivers? Easily has been a revelation playing out there, standing up and just being a, just a war daddy. I mean, he just brings the fight to you, and he's also bringing pressure. He's for some holding calls. Samson Ebukam has he's on the rise. I think he has a big week this week. Because? I think it's tailor-made. Uh, Joe Barksdale is out, so they have a backup right tackle who already has two false starts. Uh, to his name, so he's a little bit jumpy, and his pass rush is getting closer and closer and closer. Like, I think he's three more games from finding himself as a player. Mm. And I, I think he's going to be there at some point. Yeah, Barksdale sat in Buffalo with a right knee injury. If it is Sam Tevy, a former Utah Ute, in his place, his reputation is stronger in the running game, but not as good in pass pro. So perhaps validating your point there. All right, final segment of Rams All Access will go around the division after this on ESPN LA. The Los Angeles Rams, 2-0, and number one in the National Football League in point differential. They stand atop the NFC West as they look to repeat here in 2018. Final segment of Rams All Access, previewing week three against the Chargers. He is DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. Uh, last week, we each picked San Francisco and Chicago. Both of those picks proven to be correct. The 49ers defeating the Detroit Lions narrowly at home and Chicago holding uh, their home field against the Seattle Seahawks, who start 0-2. Uh, so the updated pick standings. I've got four correct through two weeks. You've got three. We'll pick this week's games in just a moment. Mm. But first, uh, a high-level overview of the division. Is this already a two-horse race between the Niners and the Rams, or... Is there a school of thought where, look, the season doesn't start until Seattle plays on its home field? It's always Seattle. You know that. It's the Seahawks. It's Pete Carroll. It's Russell Wilson. So it seems like they're trending downward. And, I mean, not to jump ahead, I think they take it on the chin again. Dallas is going up there, correct? Oh, jump ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, th- I, think, they, I think they take it on the chin again. Um, so 
I'm not ready to say San Francisco's not ready for primetime. I liked what I saw in Garoppolo last season, and I like what I, I like what I see this year. So I agree with you, man. I think it's between the L.A. Rams and, and the San Francisco 49ers for the top of the division. But I will never, ever rule out Seattle until it's over. Since the inception of the 16-game schedule, that was 1978, Less than 3% of teams that started 0-3 have rebounded for a postseason berth. The 1998 Bills were the last team to do it. Wow. So it's been two decades since a team started 0-3 and made the postseason. If you're telling me that Dallas is going to take it to Seattle, then they're dead and gone for all intents and purposes. Could be. Could be. Um, the one thing that gives me pause, it is Dallas and it is Dak Prescott. And you have to travel. It's loud up there. So you have to deal with all that. But I just think... Zeke Elliott will be enough to pace them to a victory in Seattle. All right, so I'm putting you down for the Cowboys. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Seahawks for one last week. If okay. This is the end of the road. This is the end of the road. But I want to see them play in their home environment first. I'm gonna save San Francisco at Kansas City for just a moment. Let's do Arizona hosting Chicago first. Chicago Bears just beat the Seahawks. Arizona looked like a grease fire in the Coliseum last weekend. Do the Cardinals have any hope at home? No. <laughs> I, I, Do they have any hope until they change quarterbacks? Uh, even with that, it's going to be rough. Um, Chicago's going there, right? Khalil Mack travels, and he travels well. So, no, that's not going to be that's not going to go well for them. So, um, I'll take anybody versus Arizona for the rest of the year, regardless who lines up at quarterback. So, you're expecting when we have this conversation next week to have half the division be winless, zero and three. You know what? That's the way. It, if that's the way, and it's I'm not gonna, saying that's crazy. No, no. If that's the way it's going to happen, then so be it. I mean, I, I remember years ago when it was kind of like that, and the Rams were at the bottom. So this is normal for this division. I'm going with Chicago as well. I have no faith in the Arizona Cardinals after seeing that lackluster effort last weekend. All right, San Francisco at Kansas City. Let me preface this by saying right now the 49ers have done well to be one and one, but coming up at Kansas City back down here in Southern California to face the Chargers next. They host the Cardinals. That's their easiest game before we see them in the Bay Area. Then they go to Green Bay before the Rams arrive. DeMarco, Oof. there's a very real possibility <laughs> that this is a 2-4 and four team when the Rams go to Santa Clara. That is, that's, that's a rocky schedule for them. Um, and I'm actually going to take Kansas City. I believe in Mahomes. He's played great. Lights out. I'm just watching. I was watching Charger tape. But I kept watching him, so I had to go back and watch the same play three times because I just kept watching him. And I love Tariq Hill, so I'll take the Chiefs over the Niners. But, yeah, man, I mean, the NFC West could take care of itself for the Rams. I mean, I'm going Kansas City as well. I just I circle back to where we started this with McVay's comments about keeping his team locked in. If it plays out the way that we and many others have and are predicting, the Rams are not going to be playing the NFC West for much longer. They're going to be playing... Seating, home field advantage, as the schedule shifts to Minnesota and Green Bay. I mean, those are the types of head-to-head matchups that are going to dictate not if the Rams are playing beyond the new year, but who and where. That's a different level of football. That's high-level ball when you can start thinking like that's That's the way Pittsburgh thinks. That's the way New England thinks. I mean, you're one of the elites. We said this, man, in the Tour de France NFL League, you are wearing the yellow jersey in the NFC. Why not act like it? Mm. What is your level of confidence, final thought, going into week three against the Chargers? A ver- a very high. Very high. Just because I-, I think the Chargers are a good football team. It's just the Rams have it where they don't. And those good players are playing great football at this point. 
Even if you can't quantify them with numbers. Well, just speaking for us and for MJD and Julio Moratire, producer, we are having so much fun. Uh, these first two weeks have been electric. We hope you will join us. Uh, three hours of pregame coverage starting at 10 a.m., kickoff just after 1 here on the Rams Radio Network. Thank you for joining us for this week, three edition of Rams All Access on ESPN LA 710.